Okay, everyone, welcome back. Another episode of Kente Corner. This is a special recruiting episode as the Hoyas keep picking up guys for next year's class. I'm Bobby Bank, Bobby Bancroft, as always, and I'm joined for the second time. Justin, we're still here. You were one of our first guests, and 37 shows later, we're still doing it. I'm with Justin Young, former colleague of mine, and he's with Hoop Scene. Justin, what's up, man? Not much, man. 37 episodes. That's pretty strong. It is. It is. You know, it was just it was just a thought. And here we are. The people have demanded more. And we're back. Speaking of demanding more, Patrick Ewing, obviously demanding more players for next year's roster after the way this season has gone with the unexpected departures. That's in the rearview mirror. And the Hoyas picked up a guy that you've been able to watch a lot, Kobe Clark yesterday, a I think he's rated as a three-star, but I think he's one of the best available guys out there, right? He is. I mean, I've been all over the country uh, this high school season, and I thought Kobe Clark was one of the most productive guys I saw all year down at Bashan High School at St. Louis. I've yeah. seen Kobe quite a bit. Uh, they play a really aggressive schedule, some of the City of Palms, and Georgetown assistant coach Robert Kirby was there the entire time, as was Tyler Beard, also in the commit. And, uh, we can get to him in a second. Most- I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's like how excited. Like the whole time I'm sitting there like, why are more people not recruiting these two guys? And Kirby was there the whole time and saw what I saw and obviously moved on it. But yeah, Kobe Clark, man, great. And I, and I think people kind of um, discount when you hear the term glue guy, but I really think that he's going to be a super important glue guy uh, in this class. You need guys like him and he's played with good talent. He's got a teammate uh, Cameron Fletcher that's going to Kentucky and truth be told, Bobby, I, there were times where I thought Kobe was the definitive best player on the floor. Not so, even close. Do you think it was – so what, was, is it a matter of him blowing up as a senior? How was his summer? I guess sort of one of the first questions is, you know, why was the guy available still? I think it's a combination of things. In, in recruiting, I think what happens so many times is that the narrative gets baked before guys even play their senior year, which I think is a crucial mistake. And so when you Absolutely. watch college basketball and you watch, um, you know, even in the NBA, even on draft, like, oh, my gosh, where did this guy come from? And I would bet that most times that if that question's asked, that means that guy blew up his senior year because the narrative is big for so many guys that play on these circuits, which I think the biggest lie in recruiting is that all the talent lies within the circuits. And that's just not, it's just not true. Just absolutely, yeah. definitively not true. It's great marketing by the two companies, but it's just not true. And so you get a guy like Kobe Clark, who you know he's played around different different teams, and I think that's part of it too. There wasn't consistency, but the fact of the matter is too, Bobby is like last year in 2019, we had something significant happen in recruiting, and there's going to be a lot of guys like Kobe Clark that uh, kind of emerged because we played we played three days in April in the NCAA live period with travel teams, and four days in July. That's it. That's it. And so unless a kid went to an NBA Players Association camp uh, in June or, you know, different areas had their team camps in, in June as well, most guys were only able to be seen seven total days. College coaches could get out there and really, you know, get the most bang for their buck. So there's going to be a lot of guys that, quote, unquote, slip through the cracks based yeah. on just the calendar. And I think Kobe Clark may fall in that category. Um, and he's a really nice player. I mean, he's a really nice player. You know, funny story about him. This is why I'm really, I like him. I talked to him at City of Palms and I kind of asked him the same question. Like, you know, like why, why is recruitment dead essentially? Yeah. Right. Like why is no one really recruiting you? 
And so we were talking, he had a couple other schools that were messing around there, um, you know, some really solid mid-level guys, regional school. And we were kind of done talking and he, he was kind of, he wasn't done talking basically. He's like, Hey, can I, I just feel like I'm a high major player. Is what he told me. And I was like, okay, like I, I like the confidence. He's like, yeah, I just, I really feel like I'm a high major guy. I'm a high major player. And I really like the self-belief. Like a lot of guys, I think sometimes say that with, with a little cockiness, but he was like, no, this is what I am. This is what I think that I am. So like I put in the work and I put it out there in my story. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm with you, man. I'm with you hundred percent. So when I saw Georgetown offered him beginning of the year, I'm a little surprised it took almost a month and a half for him to commit to it. Um, maybe he was thinking somebody else would come, in, come involved. But when they offered him, I was like, okay, that that's where he's going to go. I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer if you ask me. Um, and Georgetown saw it. And I think that's a credit to them. And I think also, too, Bobby, in recruiting, because the narrative gets set, I think you have a lot of coaches um, now that are young that just kind of follow buzz and marketing. Um, and don't necessarily trust their own eyes. And so that's a credit to Coach Kirby and the staff for really seeing him, liking him, and uh, and really making him a guy that they want to recruit. So uh, I think when you have that combination, when you have a guy that's confident, that's a senior se- senior season late bloomer, uh, you usually have a guy that's going to be a really good player in college, and I think that's what he's going to be. So the good news for Kobe Clark is Georgetown right now on their roster – has one scholarship forward. Okay. It's coming back to Marco Pickett. I mean, so of all the guys that left, they had basically three guys that kind of are kind of in the Kobe Clark, like range of, you know, height and skills and a point guard. So it was left them with a bunch of guards, a couple centers, like just one, just one forward. So I know it's a lot to put on a player, but would you expect him? I mean, just based on the numbers, he's going to have a chance to compete for next year. Well, based on the schedule they've played at Bashan, um, I mean, you have to understand like that's one of the most like how do I? I mean, they're tough. Okay, so like there's kind of a brand that kind of comes with that. They're a state championship level team. They're a team that plays all over the country. Uh, they're tough. Guys are tough that come out of that program, and they're ready to compete. And their mindset is, you know, it's not just like oh, we're gonna have a great four years as high school kids, as teenagers. There's a mindset there that we're gonna prepare you to be ready to play in college. So I think. He's certainly prepared enough. Physically, I think he's going to be able to handle the rigors of college basketball. Um, and, again, if you have that mindset of, like, this is what I am, okay? Like, I've made the decision that this is what I'm going to be. It's the same thing for any kid. When he goes into college and he wants to be an accountant, he's locked in mentally, right? I want to be yeah. a great economics major. I'm locked in. That um, was my major. What, economics? Yes. Now here you're running podcasts, man. You weren't that locked <laughs> in, Bobby. You I did. You weren't locked in. <laughs> All right, maybe you were. Maybe you were the anomaly. I don't know. But, like, you get a guy like that with Kobe Clark who mentally he's accepted the fact that this is what I'm going to do, okay? You can't, like, listen, any dot-com recruiting guy that's out there, we can't measure what a kid thinks about when he wakes up at 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock in the morning. I have no idea what it motivates him, okay? Like, he can say all the right things, but only he knows that. And only you know that for yourself. I only know that for myself. And so for a guy like Kobe Clark, if that's what he thinks that he wants to do, he clearly understands the path that gets there which has got him up to this point, and that's being committed to, you know, Georgetown. And so to your question, can he come in? Is he prepared? Mentally, I think that's half the battle. Physically, I think he has, um, you know, he had some benefits of, of good DNA, right? He's a big, strong, athletic kid. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if he comes in and has a really productive freshman year. You know, it was good for, I don't know, 
16 minutes a game. I think if that's your expectation for a guy like that, maybe even 20, I'd be really happy for getting a guy like that and you get him committed in late February. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the way that – so when the season started, a lot's changed at Georgetown. Um, but when the season started, Ewing was going with 11 guys. He wanted to press. He wanted to be more like Big John. Um, now they basically have five players, so they're not doing a whole lot of that. But I would think that Kobe Clark's going to come in and have a chance. And that's why I have you on because I haven't seen him play it. I've just seen the Twitter highlights and everybody can have good Twitter highlights, but this kid sounds like he's pretty tough. And just about a month ago, Georgetown picked up another guy that I think you're pretty high on Tyler Beard, who again, Georgetown has no returning point guards. My guess is they're going to go the grad transfer route again, because it worked out pretty well this year. But wait, can you talk about Tyler Beard? Same thing, man. Like again, you get two guys that are pretty self-aware and and I think that's a trait in, in athletes now that gets overlooked. I don't think it carries as much value as it should and, and really self-aware guys. Um, I think are guys that, that really make the transition really, really, really well because they can manage the expectation. And so a guy like Tyler Beard and talking to him also at the city of Palms down in Fort Myers at Raptor Christmas is one of the premier, it is the premier event in the oh, yeah. year of the scholastic year. He said it pretty clearly. He's like, listen, I, I sucked in July. Okay. I was not good. I played terrible. And he was out in the EYBL and he played for, um, uh, I think it was Mean Streets, one of, you know, one of the premier teams out of Chicago. Was he with Mac like, uh, Urban? Maybe it was Mac Urban. Yeah. Sorry. There's two okay. teams in Chicago. But yeah. regardless, he was pretty, pretty straight up. He's like, I wasn't good enough. And not a lot of kids will say that anymore, right? They'll, they'll hide um, in insecurities with, you know, talk on, on Twitter and all these oh, yeah. highlight tapes and all this BS, it doesn't matter. Right. But you have a kid that's like, I, I didn't earn it. I, I wasn't prepared. I didn't I didn't compete in the level that, that warranted it. And he came out, and Whitney Young, also a team that will play anybody, anywhere, which I don't think enough, um, I don't think you understand the value of that either. Or not you, but like in just in general, like they'll play anybody, anytime, anywhere. Yeah. Come out of school like Whitney Young, he's playing opposite DJ Stewart is going to Duke, who's one of my favorite guys in the country. And, you know, Sometimes, like, that's just the kind of the course of, of an athlete. It's the course of, of human nature. Some years you have bad years, some years you have great years. And to be self-aware enough, even as a teenager, to say, I didn't earn it, I wasn't good enough. And this year he has been. He's been great. Um, he's a go-to guy on a team like Whitney Young, who has McDonald's All-American, and Jay Stewart. And there were a lot of games where um, Tyler Beard was the best player on the team. And so I think he's a, a guy that played through all the problems and, and got better and, and learned from those experiences that he's going to come in, um, again, battle-tested, uh, been really well coached. And if Coach Ewing needs him to be, you know, a 25-point-per-game point guard and creator, cool. If he needs him to be a defender, cool. If he needs to be a scorer, cool. Like, I think he's gone through all those things. That's allowed him to be prepared in that situation. And, again, both of these guys have a lot of characteristics that I absolutely love in prospects. And so to get two of them um, basically back-to-back, I think, is, is – you know, I think you can argue that when the late signing period comes around, that's one of the storylines in recruiting for 2020 class, to be quite honest with you. These are two big recruits uh, for them to pull off. And again, you have to manage expectation. But when you have a need and you find two guys that are that are not well, – here's what happens in the recruiting calendar. You get guys that go way higher than they should because it's a supply and demand issue, okay? And so Tyler right. Beard and – Kobe Clark are two guys that I think are warranted to go play for a high major play program like Georgetown. It's not a, well, he wasn't a high major guy in November. 
I think both these guys were. I really do. They just had to work and they had to prove themselves. And so you're not getting a guy that maybe uh, just got overvalued because everybody needs a, a player at that position. And so now you've got a guy that's going to go higher than he should. Um, not these guys. These guys are legitimate high major guys. So I think one of the things, and I don't see it as much because I haven't done recruiting stuff in a while, and I know that fans like to talk about it, talk about the assistants when most fans don't know a whole lot. In your estimation, how happy should Georgetown fans be with Robert Kirby? Kirby gets stuff done now. I mean, he's he's, he's an OG now. Like, he's been yeah. around a long enough time where he knows everybody. And you see him at all, the, you know, anywhere that you need to see him, he's there. Um, and I think that's I think that goes a long way. Like now, guys are getting hired. I don't want to like generalize, but guys are getting hired because they can go get a player. And, and Kirby can. Don't get me wrong. Kirby can go get a player, but he's also a guy that can develop. He's a guy that has a pretty good track record. Um, he's a guy that can clearly close the deal, which is half the battle in recruiting. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think he, at one point, I think when I was at Rivals, we had him as a top 25 recruiter in the country multiple times. Um, so this is, a, this, is, this is a guy that can get some stuff done, and he's a guy that obviously can go out and, and get some players and, and, you know, evaluate them. And, and, you know, think about this. He's a guy that also has experience in the South. And then you go out of his quote-unquote region, and he gets a kid from Chicago, and he gets a kid from St. Louis right smacked out in the middle of the country to go out to D.C. And that's it's pretty hard to do, man. Georgetown fans are going to remember the last time Kirby got somebody from Missouri. That's that, right. That was that was Mr. Otto Porter. Um, That's right. So the last time you were on, and I don't, it's a coincidence, we talked about Ryan Matumbo, and then the next day Mr. Matumbo decided um, to make it known to the world that he was not a Georgetown lock. I know that he's in your neck of the woods, and I feel like he's blown up a little bit since we spoke last time. Can you kind of give us an update on how his, how his uh, junior season went? Yeah, much better than I thought it was going to go. I thought he yeah. achieved in a good way. Um, yeah. Got better. Got better. It was well coached. They have a pretty aggressive league. Um, they play in the Atlanta Private School League. Um, they just lost the other day. Season came to an end for them. Uh, I think it was uh, two days ago, I think it was. But, yeah, I mean, he had a really good year. He had a really good, good year. Uh, got better. You know, he's more mobile. And the thing, like, you know, I don't know if you just kind of pigeonhole. Oh, he's going to be a great defender. Just you know, it's easy. It's kind of a lazy thing to say. But offensively, guy got better, man. Got some wiggle in his game. He's always kind of gangly and you know, like the typical kid that grows really fast, really young. That kind of looks like a one of those puppets by the strings, whatever that's called. Um, the old time yeah. puppet. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. Might be too young. I don't know. No, um, I know. But kind of ran like that, right? You know, just kind of like oh, you know, his, his limbs didn't didn't have flow to it. Now he does. And he's putting some stuff together. And I think he's going to be one of the guys that gets really recruited pretty heavily in the springtime um, based on his junior year. He'll be an all state pick for me down here in the Georgia uh, state of Georgia. And uh, yeah, it got better. And I think he's starting to warrant now where a lot of guys kind of came in and with recruiting, like anytime somebody has been quote unquote offered, I, I don't, I don't report offers. I, I just made an editorial decision to like, five years ago <laughs> screw that like it's it's the dumbest thing to report because it doesn't mean anything it's like the initial i'm getting into the door right so an offer really to me doesn't really mean much um to be quite honest with you i i take the approach that everybody's been offered by everybody then everybody transfers and that's kind of always been my approach to recruiting so tell me more about like when you went to campus what did you like 
right? When you made the decision on your own unofficially to go take a visit or when the school said, okay, we're going to pay for your trip. Like that's when it gets serious. And so there's all these offers and all this stuff and that's cool. But now I think he's starting to warrant a lot of those first level offers, right? Those first initial, Hey, we're going to recruit you. And now I think we're going to move into the category of, okay, well, we're going to send our head coach and to go watch you um, when you play travel basketball. And I think that's what you're going to have to watch and to see what coaches come out. Because not only is Ryan Matumbo a long-term high ceiling guy, but he's also a, a no-brainer academic guy. He's a guy that's shown he's going to go work. And it's not going to hurt you to have to come in Matumbo at all your games and all the promotion that comes with that. We've seen a lot of ex-NBA guys um, be really involved with their kids. And there's positive marketing that comes with that too. So, you know, there's a lot that comes with it, but I think Ryan on his part is doing, doing what he needs to do to get better and to start to warrant a lot of this attention, a lot of this national ranking and stuff like that. So that's a credit to him, man. He's wired that way. Nice kid. Got to get on straight. Dikembe, I think we talked last time, is kind of everywhere. You even mentioned that he was coaching an AAU team, which blows my mind. He was doing that at some point. Um, no, no, no. Ten and under team. So, like, you got, like, these 10-year-olds <laughs> who are like just barely learning how to like dribble. And then you got Dikembe. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's something to behold. It's one of my favorite things about what we do. Seeing Dikembe yeah. and the Tumbo coach. <laughs> Every time I see him in a Georgetown game, I have that thought in my head, like this guy was coaching like little kids at AAU. That must've been quite the experience for everybody involved. I would not have wanted to have ref those games. Um, but yeah, as far, as far as Ryan is going, I think just the way that Georgetown has kept such a family thing, um, obviously he's going to be his own man. He can do whatever he wants. And some kids like to go the other way. We've seen a lot of famous, um, you know, ki- you know, kids of famous players go other places. Georgetown's done a good job of keeping them in. I think for the Hoyas, it would be a great start to 2021 recruiting. If after he gets a chance, I, I mentioned this on the last podcast when I had um, the normal guy from casual Hoya and on that, I think it's important that these kids get the chance to, you know, get everything that's sort of their way. You know, as far as taking all their official visits, like, you know, having to make pitches to them because it might be the only time that it happens. I mean, obviously, transfers are much more common than they used to be. And the grad transfer thing is like a real, real thing at the moment. But, for you know, for a lot of these guys, this is their one time to really you know get the whole, hey, I've earned this. I, I don't need to commit early. Yeah, I think I think the recruiting process across the board is, is happening more and more, too. Um, I think I think a lot of times too for the colleges because they, you know, it's funny. I, I take more phone calls on hey, who are you hearing that's transferring than I do. Hey, who did you see this season that's going to be good for us? You know, and yeah. so like you almost have to you, you recruit for the now, and then you're almost recruiting like intelligence files, or you're building intelligence files for recruiting 2.0 when they transfer. And again, it goes back to my theory: everyone's been offered by everybody, and everybody transfers. So um, you just have to go through it twice. Yeah, uh, on the on the Big East conference call yesterday, um, Patrick Ewing talked about. He was asked what he thought about the new proposed rule that you get a one time transfer at any point and you don't have to sit out. And you know, he said he hadn't really thought about it. And obviously, he's only been coaching three years um, on the college level. But he said, you know, I hadn't really thought about it. But it seems like it's going to be the you know really the wild wild west. And I'd say right now, I'm not for it. It sounded like. Maybe he was speaking from experience saying, you know, people are always talking to people anyway. And if it was, you know, they could jump right away, like increase it. It's if it happens, listen, I'm all for players, rights. I'm, I'm a of course. players, rights guy. 
Um, but if it happens, if you're a mid-major, low-major coach, and you've got a guy that's legitimately good, okay, yeah. that's good for your level, you can forget it. Forget it because that guy's going to get plucked away. We've seen it already. I've seen so many guys that are like all-conference freshman team that immediately leave. And they go to a, a quote-unquote high-major school, and I've looked up quite a few this year, averaging eight minutes again. The reason you're good at that level because that was the level. Yeah. That was the level. That's what you are. That's great. Go be in that. And there's nothing wrong with, like, leaving. And if, you, if you're cool with playing, like, eight minutes a game, you know? But, like, like you look at certain teams, and, and you look – like, I look at uh, – I hate to, like, call somebody out, but, like, there's a really good blue blood program that's having a really crappy year in the ACC. Okay. You can go figure it out. You go look at their lineup. You go look at who played. Okay. And like, there's a reason that player that's on your roster was really good at the mid level. Cause that was the right level of the yeah. ACC, man. And so like, sometimes it backfires and it can really ruin your program. You know, it really can. But if I'm a mid level, low major coach, I'm pissed that this could happen. Well, they're, pissed. they're already losing. Cause that could players. really affect your job. Right, and they're already losing the players that have decided, you know, because these guys don't really go home for summer, so they're getting ahead of their credits. So you've seen all these grad transfers. So they're already losing, like, one year of their top guys. But now you can lose them, like, you know, like you said, after year one. We're seeing guys leave the semester. Like, screw it, I'm out. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, I don't even want to come back for the winter time. It snows. Peace. <laughs> um, so... I'd kick myself out and ask you, how is, what is, what's next for hoop scene? Oh, dude, what's next? <laughs> like no sleep. That's what's next, man. We're, yeah. we're a month away from tipping off. We've got, right. how about this? So, you know, just a little background. So hoop scene, we're an independent um, event operator. Okay. So like Georgetown fans that really remember stuff like Charlie Weber invitationals that was on the campus yeah. of Georgetown and stuff like that. Like, we run really large scale stuff like that. It's not sponsored by industry companies. And so for us, we, uh, we run really large scale things during the NCAA period. And so we're going to run a convention center event. We're going to like 20 plus courts down in Raleigh, North Carolina. So that's coming up for uh, one of the live periods in April. And then in July, we've got an event that we're going to put down 40 plus courts under one roof. And we're going to have 700 teams competing in that in July. And so, you know, we've had as teams, I don't know if Georgetown came last year, uh, but we've, you know, we've had high major teams all the way down to D3, NIA, junior colleges, so for every level. And so we've got our hands full, man. We've got our hands full. And I, and I really think there's value for that. Um, kind of what we talked about with Kobe Clark, right? There's such a lack of opportunity for guys to compete with their travel teams now because of the rules, are, the days are being shrunk down, that yeah. we decided to go to these really large-scale events that kind of makes it basketball Costco, if you will. And uh, so <laughs> – yeah, we're, we got our hands full at hoop scene. We're going to hopefully pump through a uh, number of teams. We did 2,000 teams last year competed with us. I think this year we're going to hit somewhere around 3,000. So uh got our hands wow. full, man. But in those 3,000 teams, there's guys like Kobe Clark and Tyler Beard and, and other players that over the years um, have become, quote-unquote, senior sleepers. So, um, yeah, man, just uh, keep it locked in the hoop scene, see what we got going on. I think we've always had some guys that uh, – are good enough to compete. And, and, and going back to our conversation about it, not to continue this, but like I see all these guys that, that are really good low major, mid major players at our events every year. And so when they go and they have these types of years, I'm not surprised because we've seen it at our level. And it goes back to what I said at the very beginning of this conversation that great players don't necessarily always compete on the shoe contract or the shoe, the shoe circuits. There's great players at every level. And 
sometimes the reason you're great because you go to the right level. And I think for Georgetown particularly, to tie it all back, they've got two really good players that pick the right level. There should be really good players for the roles they've been recruited to play. So that's the full circle of recruiting sometimes. It's the way it works when it, when it's done right. When it's done right. Um, so real quick before we go, what do you think about Patrick Ewing? Now we have almost three years of Patrick Ewing. Well, I mean, this sort of has to have the asterisk, right? Like, well, I meant, I I meant just more like, you know, he's, you know, they're doing like, you know, players left, you can't control everything, but he was able to get, you know, between him and his staff, it seemed like they picked up two pretty good players. I know that there's, there's always been sort of caution or skepticism of, you know, can NBA guys come in and figure out how to recruit and how to deal with all of the parts of managing a program. I just mean from sort of that angle. I think it's harder than people realize that that, that guy, or NBA guys that come to the college level, you're right. Like it's really hard to do. It's a whole different world. And so I think when you have a good staff, like I think that they do, I mean, like that's why I think Kirby's value really shine through. Right. Yeah. So, and you got Louis Orr who obviously has some experience there that's, that's been around. So, yeah, I mean, obviously this year was a pretty crucial year and that's why I say it has to be the asterisk year. But, you know, it's always about players, man. you got to get the right players, and you got to be able to do that. And can they continue to develop these type of guys? And I think you got a good case study with these two guys that they got, you know, late with opportunity, and then can they develop them into becoming even better players? And I think we have seen that, though, haven't we? With the players they have now, and they've been able to develop them and, and get a lot out of them. That's a yeah. credit to them. But, yeah, I mean, compared to some other guys that have come to the NBA, I think you can say that you've done a pretty good job. I think that's what everyone every likes year, to hear. Every year, man, you got to reset the button. Every year, you got to reset the button. Man. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I don't. It, just the idea of never being able to stop recruiting is just like wow. And I think that that's something most people don't necessarily really, really think about. Like you said, like that's really, really hard. And you do even though Georgetown, yeah, even though Georgetown is obviously a name and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's been one of the higher profile programs for a long time. There's still like these, you know, there's these, obviously there, there's this, there's a list of schools that you're always kind of behind no matter what. So then you figure out, does it, is it worth it to recruit this kid based on like other schools that are like, I'm going to get them and, you know, but then there's the ego thing of, well, I think I can get a guy like that. Um, so, you know, just like you said, for hoop scene, you guys don't have enough time or, you know, it's be here. I'm sure just allocating the time of about which recruits make the most sense. It seems really daunting. Yeah. And it's hard now because you have smaller days. You have a, you have a smaller calendar. You got to be smart. You got to be really smart. So when you see them, they, maybe they got lucky this year. They got two guys that you see in the same trip. You yeah. know, where a lot of times you go to high-profile high school tournaments and most guys are committed, and you go snag two of the best guys that are available. I mean, that's I'm telling you, man. That's one of the biggest recruiting stories of the what will be the spring signing period. I, I really believe that those are really huge recruits. Well, I know that's what everyone listening to this wanted to hear. Justin, I'm so glad I got to get you back. It seems like Georgetown just recruit keeps recruiting guys where I can I can lean on my expert down in the ATL. Um, is it on uh, Twitter? It's Justin D Young. That's it. Is that that's right? It. And then and then there's at Hoop Scene. Um, yep. Again, thanks everyone for listening to Kente Corner. You can find us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Spotify, subscribe, give us give us five stars, all that good stuff. Justin, thanks a lot. You're on second time. Hope to have you a third. I know we will. I'll see you. Thanks, Bobby.